Welcome, everybody. This is The Zero Hour. A podcast about life's critical moments. This is your co-host, Mark Fiertz. And I'm Christine Chapman. Today, there is a very special guest being interviewed. Hello. She happens to be the host, Christine Chapman. And hello. Hello. You know us as the co-host, Mark Fiertz, and... I'm Christine Chapman. So, um, my style is very different from Christine's style. I like to keep it open, uh, somewhat guarded, somewhat, you know, loose, right? Christine likes to be documented and likes to be more buttoned up. Um, So, while this segment is probably a combination of the two, meaning I haven't really prepped her. On no, what, you kind of refused to prep I ref, me. kind of refused you to kind prep of you. refused to prep me. Yes. Um, because I want... And I like to, like, oh. I like having a computer open, and right now I'm looking at a journal that is closed, and I'm going to be okay. All right. Um, and I am looking at a notebook of topics of what I want to talk to you about, right? Yeah, So, the first topic... Ooh, microphone, please. The first topic is about being an entrepreneur, right? So, for those of you who know, are learning, Christine is a serial entrepreneur, right? (laughs) She uh, has Chapman Education, She's done things before that. She's doing a zero-hour podcast. She's doing some stuff with me uh, separately. Um, and for her, entrepreneurship isn't scary, right? It's scary. Well, it, it is scary. What's scary about it? I think it's the scary that sort of attracts me to it. I mean, on some level, I've never really done anything but work for myself and find ways to stay busy and useful to the world, to some small slice of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And whether it was tutoring in South Korea and then eventually here in the Boston area and allowing for that to evolve into educational consulting and understanding that working with families and with students in particular to sort of empower them through a process of self-reflection was what I do best and trying to find ways to take that gift, that gift of connection that you have as well um, and use it in order to create a business that would ultimately help solve a problem, I think is what I've always been tuned into doing. So you live life without a safety net, right? So I have lived most of my life without a safety net. And 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 probably probably my recent life more than, than anything else because I, you know, for all intents and purposes am a single mom. And, um, and have sort of lived understanding that the choices I make directly impact the life that my children and I lead together mm-hmm. yeah. and live together. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. You're, uh, you're brave too, right? Like you. But I don't know anything else, right? I mean, I was a salaried 
employee when I worked at the Brimmer and May School for three years of my life. And yes, I've been a salaried employee of a self-directed business the rest of my life, but that's just, that's, that's all I've known. So yes, it's scary because there are times when you're like, oh shoot, and my parents are no longer alive, so I can't call and say, hey mom, I need, I need help. And mm -hmm. I've been lucky that family has been able to assist at various points in time when I've really been in trouble. But for the most part, I've had to figure things out. And so, yes, it's scary, but there's also that um, there's no room for failure sort of mindset that allows for me to just show up and do my best and understand that it's all going to work out. And you don't allow for any negativity in your life. Like you don't position yourself to even entertain that. You surround yourself with, you know, positivity, positive people, positive things. And you start your day literally saying it's going to be a good day. Like before you get out of bed, like I've never seen you not happy. I've never seen oh, you God. without a smile, right? Because well, so how, where does that come from? I everybody has hard days, Mark. Mm, some more than others, yeah. Okay, and everybody has gone to like I mean. I remember a time when all I did for like a year and a half was cry, you know, and that that was my reality. But at the end of the day, I have the choice to greet the day in whatever way I can. And I may as well greet it with positivity and the sort of full effect of giving that day my all. Right. So I spend a lot of my time trying to stay as connected to and and leaning on people and being completely honest with wherever I'm at and trying to see the positive. And I think I think it starts with being grateful because you can always be grateful for something. Right? You know you know, you've been able to you've been able to life coach me, um, show me the positivity. Cause sometimes I don't see it, right? I, I'm like, oh, you know, it's going to be a stressful day. Today's going to suck, right? But you, I, I, I have hardly ever heard you speak in negative ways, you know, about business, about yourself, about your family. Like everything for you, you take it as a lesson, right? You take it as a, hmm, okay, I didn't know that. I'm going to get stronger from it. And you have a very positive outlook right but, but if i didn't have that then i i probably wouldn't be here today right because because there have been a lot of things that have happened in life where i could have chosen to see the world a different way and what would it do right it would it would probably have made life that much harder to get through so and i don't want to be a self-fulfilling prophecy unless it's a positive one True, nor do you want to be, um, oh, what, what am I looking for? What did Jamie Foxx say? Not Jamie Foxx. Who's the guy who got smacked by, by Will Smith? Who's the guy? Who's Chris Rock. What a Chris. Victim. victim. I'm not going to Correct. be a victim. Correct. Right? No, I, I live my life refusing to be a victim. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm looking at you now and you look somewhat vulnerable. 
like well uh, this is a vulnerable episode this is this is not your comfort zone right to being grilled i'm not grilling yet you will to shed light on what makes you you right and how you have evolved so let's talk about some things uh you had a you know, all right, let's, let me approach it this way. Our greatest failures have been what? My greatest failure was my marriage. Same, right? Yes. And and honestly, that was one of the, the strange things when you and I first met. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Nobody's ever said that to me in the way and like believed it in the way that I know I believed it. Sure. And I, you know, I relate to you because sure. you see that as a failure yeah like i i'm not i'm not used to failing and and yes um i remember feeling really deeply as i realized that my marriage was over that this was going to be that which would go down in history as my greatest failure and part of it is because i'm astrologically a cancer Right. And we are caretakers and people who like, you know, believe in the home. And I know you're not necessarily a subscriber to that belief, but you've often talked to me about how you're a Gemini through and through. So I know that it lands with you in some way, shape or form. But when I realized that as somebody who helps um, people for a living, that I was in a relationship where I couldn't be that Um, and that I was just in many senses making things worse. I think that was when I realized that, that my marriage was my greatest failure. So you talk about wanting to help a people. It's your astrological sign as a, as a cancer, right? Yeah. Cancers are like keepers of the home. So did your now ex-husband not want to be helped? Therefore, you were like, I don't know what to do or how I can add value. Like, was that one of the things Mm -hmm. that you were like, but this is who I am as a person and I like to help and I like to give of myself. And now I'm married to someone who doesn't take that or doesn't want that from me. Like. You know, I think as um, as somebody who is wired to be a caretaker, I had been in a place where I was attracted to people that I believed I had to. And and this is part partially, partially part of like what it was to be younger. Like I got married in my very early thirties. Um, I don't think I was ready to be, and, and I don't know that I was even ready or capable of, of loving and, and truly being in a reciprocal relationship at the time. But all I knew was that I was going to, whether it was the friends in my life or, um, you know, significant others, that I was going to be attracted to people that I could help and, and fix. And for whatever reason, um, I ended up in a space where I I feel like my marriage was me trying me believing in my my person in such a way and that person not being ready to believe in himself at the time. And that's that's neither here nor there like mm. it's nobody's fault, mm. but it just 
I often say, because, you know, my, my ex-husband is an amazing human. He's probably one of the smartest people I know. And um, we spent 13 and a half years together and we were, we had the best of times and we had the worst of times and we went through hell and back on many different levels. And at the end of the day, I'd love for my narrative, and I've said this to him before, I'd love for my narrative to have been, or our narrative to have been, we were amazing friends, mm. but we were not good as life partners. Mm. And we came together because we were supposed to bring to life the amazing children we have today. Nice segue, by the way. Excellent segue. Thank um, you. So let me just take it half a step back. I believe that, yes, you're you're meant to be so, some, and I hope one day, you know, I yeah. hope one day that we'll be friends again. Yeah. So, somebody once said to me, um, and I think it was from my ex-wife who said to me, "Relationships have like a shelf life, like relationships have an expiration date." Um, and I have grown as a person where there I take the negative people out, right? And I have, you know, befriended a few because it doesn't, you know, air quotes, serve me, right? Like I'm being selfish with who I spend my time with, people who help to elevate my portfolio, right? My personal portfolio, who I am right. and give me right. give me strength and give me wisdom and vision and help me see shit. And push you to be your best correct, self. Correct, correct. And you're... You're a great part of that or a big part of that. Like you, you, you've been that. able to uh, like talk to me in such a way to help me envision th certain things. That's sort of the topic. Um, all right. So let's talk about the kiddos. All right. Yes. Let's talk about the greatest result of 13 and a half years. Go. I, I have two amazing kids. Um, Henry is 12 years old going on 13. Very soon to be 13. He has horrible music tastes. He does not. Horrible. Horrible. You actually have similar tastes. No. He <laughs> likes he likes crap. I like <laughs> old school rap. Okay. You guys can fight that out. Um, Henry um, is an artist and he's a really sensitive, sweet, amazing young man. Um, and he plays baseball and is going to be um, enjoying his last year of middle school in a new school and has a great um, group of friends. So I'm grateful for, for Henry in my life. And Celia is also um, an amazing human, and she is currently a junior in high school, plays volleyball and softball. Where does she sings. go to school? She goes to the Western Reserve Academy in Hudson, Ohio. Because she's wicked smart. She but she's like the one percenter. Like she's I don't know. They're both really they're both really smart. True. True. And Henry is going to uh he's gonna be going to St. John's High School in Shrewsbury Mass. Boom. Yes. Right. That yes. is like greatness great in development for yes. both of them. Yes. Um, what's this on running thing you have with your daughter? How many days has it been that you have done what on what channel? Like what? Oh, and, and have, so and have so you done funny. it today? You Do you know if I've done it today? I don't know if you've done it today. I have done it today. Okay. Um, so my daughter and I, during the pandemic, 
started to become Snapchat friends. And Celia, are you, are you snapping, I just chatting snapped right her now? T- just now. Okay. Um, we have kept a Snapchat streak for 1,000 132 days. Yikes. So, so what that means is within a 24-hour period, every single day, we send each other either a photo. Well, yeah, we send a photo of ourselves to each other. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah. So that was... And and can we talk about the pandemic for yeah. a second? Yeah, let's, let's... The pandemic, I know, was not an easy time um, for all people in all ways. And, and it wasn't an easy time necessarily for me either. But there was this magical aspect to the pandemic in which I was able to spend so much time with my kids and where I was able to really bond with them. Yes. And... Um, I used to drag them every day, like we'd wake up and I would do some work and then I would say, hey, it's time. And we would go to Ashland State Park and we would hike three and a half, four miles every single day. And I would take pictures and I would post like picture collages and they would be really annoyed that I was doing that. You're taking pictures of everything. I do take pictures of everything. And um, I also found ways in which we would at night just get into the car and they would put down the seats of the back seat and get pillows and blankets. And we would drive to like Plymouth or we would drive to Boston in the middle of the night when there was nobody on the highways and we would just like hang out it was a magical time we also during the summer did all of the beaches that you could possibly do with that massachusetts state parks pass mm-hmm. I have it. 60 dollars yep. or 65 dollars yep, a year yep. and we would just do the beaches and the kids at one point in time one of my greatest compliments was when I um, did a kid-sitting gig for my friends Holly and Jay in Plymouth, and they were going to this concert weekend, I think, in Newport, and I went down, stayed at their house with my kids and their kids, and in the middle of the night, we would go moon chasing, full moon. What is moon chasing? We would find a space to go out, and usually it was on a beach, and we sat and looked at the full moon in the middle of the night. Were you charging your crystals, too? I did not charge my crystals Uh. then. They were charging at home. But I remember Arwen, Jay and Holly's daughter, said to me, Oh my God, Christine, you're so fun. It's like hanging out with basically an old woman who (laughs) acts like a teenager who's just gotten her license. Oh. Like, can we talk about what a compliment that is? That's beautiful. That was. It was like. So there are moments like, and I do what I do and work with kids, I think, because I love kids that age and connecting with them. And on some level, I don't get old if I can yeah, hang keeps, out with these kiddos. Definitely keeps you uh, in vogue, in the know, right? What all the youngsters yes. are doing. And I, I listen to all the bad music that you don't like that's, as well. That's because uh, Henry listens to that. Yes. All right. I'm going to move this conversation over to mm, driving skills. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So when you and I hang out, Uh I like to drive. 
Yes. Right. And I like to drive my car because I'm, A, most comfortable in my car. But of course. Not that I'm nervous. I'm not nervous at all when you're driving. But you drive in the middle lane and you drive very conservatively. And when you're driving, I, I'm saying to you, oh, Christine, you're – you're driving very well right now, and <laughs> you never say that. Well, because I don't. Because you because never say that. because I'm always the one. Anyway, I like to drive to begin with. Yes. Right, but I'm very comfortable with you driving, whether it's your car or my car. As as you as I should be as you should be, <laughs> but like I remember Celia CC doing something, something about like your parking. Right, like you don't like you like to take multiple spots when you park, right? At least have a tire. I don't, I don't like to take multiple spots when you. Then when why I do park. you? Why do you? Because usually when I do park, I don't care. Yeah, but and you. And I feel like I can, and it's a terrible thing, but I do feel like I can lean on my Asianness to you, not have to worry so much. You said it, not me. You said it. <laughs> Your Asianness. So my daughter and my son years ago started an Instagram account, <laughs> and I believe it is at Bad Parking Stella. Oh. Um, and so they had a heyday for a while, just posting pictures of my bad parking jobs. And I got really angry with them and hurt at one point in time, and they took it down. And then we talked about it, and we were able to reinst- reinstitute it for them. But they haven't been active, thankfully. So they're they're listen. That does the Asian ish thing does hold a few stereotypes true, right? Yes. Um, you are not a bad driver necessarily. You just drive <laughs> slow and steady. Right, and, and conservative. That's not what my kids would say when we drive I'm being back nice. and forth. I'm being very, okay. very nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm being very nice. Um, can we talk a little bit about community and your role in community and why you feel it's important and what drives you to be a part of your community? When we were recently in H, that's how I refer to it because I can't Hopkinton. pronounce because I can't pronounce the word. Even my my driving navigation is like, sorry, sir, that does not exist. Um, <laughs> but when we were in H, Hoptonkin, <laughs> and we were we were at the start finish line, Boston Marathon, you were like the friggin' town mayor. <laughs> you were just like, hey, Grace, Phil, good to see you, petting dogs, kissing babies, like saying hello to everyone. So, listen, you're an entrepreneur, you're outgoing, you have your own business, you're great at, at networking. Role of community in your life. Let's uh, let's unpack that a little bit and, and, and why it's so important to you. Um, I like people. I like connecting. That's one of the reasons we're here and we're doing what we're doing on the Zero Hour podcast. I love stories. I 
uh, I'm really grateful to the town of Hopkinton. It's um, one of the places where I was really able to sort of grow in community, whether it's through the amazing yoga studio that has been my respite and home to so many sisters and brothers in heated yoga um, community. Mm. Hopkinton is where I, you know, where my children grew up and I was able to be involved on school council and through the PTA and meet some other fellow folks who were really supportive to me over the years as I went through my sort of ups and downs. Um, we first came to Hopkinton as a result of a bankruptcy and our lives falling apart, you know, my ex and I. And um, we were married for probably four years um, while still in Hopkinton before I lost both my parents. And, you know, I went from losing both my parents to um, being in a space where I got separated and went into div divorce mode, lost two of my grandparents as I, you know, got ready for um, full on divorce mode. And then we had a couple of years before I lost another set of parents um, who were adopted parents in my life. And um, it took a lot of sort of loss and jumps and whatnot to get to a place where I am ready to take yet another leap and I'm getting ready to leave the community of Hopkinton. But I've been really connected to the places and the spaces and the people there through board work for the Hopkinton Center for the Arts and through the work that I've been able to do with many students in town and outside of town. Mm. And community means everything to me, probably because on some level I was kind of a nomad in my years. Like I grew up in Montreal. We moved to South Korea. We went from South Korea to Vancouver. I went from Vancouver back to South Korea and then to the Boston area only because the Boston area seemed to be the right place to be in terms of the work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I found community in, you know, marrying into a family and their extended community. And then through Plymouth and Hopkinton found, found community. Community has been everything. It's been where I fit in. It's been where I do business. It's been where I found the opportunity to find my gifts and understand the value and importance of connection. Um, yeah, it's important. You are uh, tremendously introspective. Right? Yes, probably too much. Yeah, so. I would say. Yeah, on some, like some at eight thirty at night when I call you and you say no. It's like stop, no more. Like like brain dead. shutting down. Brain shutting down. Brain dead. Um, do you have a hard time sleeping at night because you because because you're always doing something right like. Are you being kept up by um, business stuff, kids stuff? Like, what's is there anything keeping you up, or do you sleep sleep um, soundly? So I don't sleep much, and depending on the season, I, I I've gotten a lot better at sleeping. So there used to be a time when I didn't sleep more than four hours a day. Jesus, right? And and it wasn't a healthy time in my life. And honestly, it's probably been in the last like two years, strangely, since I've met you, that I sleep a little better. Um, 
it's not necessarily because of you as you flex your muscles. Um, but I think that there are seasons, like there are seasons when I don't sleep well. Um, I work in the college counseling business. So before December decisions come out mm -hmm. for early action and early decision, mm -hmm. I don't sleep well. Um, because I worry about the kids that I am like, not that I should be because you do what you do and you throw it out into the world and you support these kiddos and you should just be happy. But I know that there's that anxiety that each student has and possesses and each family I work with. And it's maybe by osmosis that I end up feeling that stress, but that happens. And then the whole month of March is a really hard month. I don't sleep mm. usually in the month of March. Over and above that, for the most part, especially now as I've made different transitions in work and whatnot, mm -hmm. I sleep pretty soundly and I sleep pretty well. I need like minimum nine hours. Nine hours, I'm a, huh? I'm a big Viking. Like I need, I need big time. Viking. I need, I need time. Like I, like my body needs to rest. Yeah, I get six, seven. I couldn't. I don't. I don't know if I could do it on seven. All right, two questions. Okay. Talk a little bit about Chapman Education. Okay. Right. Promote yourself. Promote your URL. Promote what you're trying to do. Okay. And what you not what you're trying to do. What you're doing. Right. Start with that. And okay. Um, so Chapman Education is one of the many iterations of um, my work. I have been working as an educational consultant for over 30 years, which makes me feel really old. But I've sort of been doing this. Don't, don't you say are, that. I'm mouthing to her. You yeah, are you old. You are old. Um, not as old as you. Touche. Touche indeed. Um, so I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I've been supporting students. And what I think I do more than anything else is help students think about the process, guide them through the steps of the process of applying to college, and more than anything else, being their cheerleader and their voice of honesty and reason as they go through a process. And I would say this year has been the hardest year for me in doing what I've done because we're seeing so many changes in the admissions landscape. Um, and so I have started to embark on yet another journey beyond educational consulting. And it is to add a component of life coaching to the work that I do. Um, so much of my work has been about coaching all of these years, coaching students, coaching their families. But I've also done a lot of informal coaching of friends and of relatives and you coach me at various different yep. points in time. Yep. Right. Love and it. I love that. And I love being able to just connect with and feel like I can be helpful to people as they go through transitions or they make different decisions as their kids grow up or they manage what it is to be an empty nester or think about going back to work after raising their kids for the last. 15 years like all of those all of those models or after having gone to college thinking about what that next step is as they imagine going into the workforce or think about graduate school so I'm really super excited about this training that I'm going through that will help validate what I've always done and give it some formal training 
Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty Certification School. Yeah, he's yeah. like uh, a Jay monk. Shetty is like. But he's actually a monk. Yes. Right. Yes. Like his story is he's English. He his parents wanted him to be in finance. Yep. He bucked the system. Right. And went to India and became a monk for a couple of years. Exactly. And now... And now is a coach, is a podcast host, is an author to New York, you know, to New York Times best-selling self-help books. Really? Yeah. And he has this certification school, and I'm I'm super thrilled to be able to get on Zoom calls where he'll, like, actually see that there's a little square called Christine Chapman. That's and nice. if she asks a question, I can hear him speak directly to me. So I'm thrilled beyond That's belief. awesome. And um, I will be able to do that by the fall of this year, which is really exciting. So I've added that component only because there's a part of me that loves doing what I do currently working with kids, but also sees that there might be opportunity for growth um, when you've been doing something for a really long time. Um, it doesn't get boring because the students are the same, but it's been disheartening to see students compete at such high levels and to be in a space where with single digit acceptance rates at so many top schools, what I what I find myself saying and what I don't want to be saying to all of these students is, hey, you were perfectly admissible hmm. and you did everything that you could have. And with a 3% or a 4% or a 6% acceptance rate, the reality is if you didn't get the results that you desired and that you strived for, it really isn't about you because it's random and mm. it's numbers. Mm -hmm. How do you tell a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid who's worked his or her whole life, right, to reach a goal that, sorry, it didn't happen and you were perfectly in line to deserve a yes and you got to know and it has nothing to do with you. It's random. One of many of life's disappointments. Yes. Yes. You know, that's that's life. Like, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's the system. That's life. I know, but I feel like you shouldn't have to have this level of competition at this young age. 17, 18 years old is young. But the... I don't know. School... No, that's, that's a good point. But the schools and the kids... So I've not spoken to the kids, but I know of them. And these kids aren't like, you know, air quotes, normal kids. Like, they are smart and they are collected and they know they're... Like they know their – not that they know their place, but they, they understand what surrounds them, right? Like I don't think these are average seniors in high school. I think these but are like I, above I think, average no, seniors in high school. No, I work with the whole gamut, right? Like yes, there are some extraordinary students and yes, I feel badly that I – have to say that to those extraordinary students, but there are also extraordinary students who don't have perfect GPAs and perfect test scores who will also feel both disappointment, but in many cases, perhaps more yeses, you mm. know? But anyway, that's yeah, no, okay. a whole other story. So, Christine, you had said something to me when, uh, a little while ago, uh, uh, one of the 
couple episodes ago. How do you want your kids to remember you? How do you want Henri, French for Henry, because I don't speak French, but how do you want Henry and Cece to remember you? Hmm. And I think your your memory your memory was about the sky and about sunsets and sunrises, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I've answered this question before, and it, I guess it goes beyond. Um, I mean, yes, I'll respond to the kids, but in general, I want people to remember me as somebody who cared and somebody who tried their best and did their best. Right. Um, for my kids, I want them to remember that I tried and that I cared, but that I loved them more than life itself. Um, I, that's I, what I want. I believe that. I believe that about you. So this is your host. Or that was your host, Christine Chapman. <laughs> is there anything else you want to share? No, not at the moment. I mean, you guys are kind of stuck with me for however many episodes, so you'll get to know We'll enough. get more, more stuff anecdotally. So um, that's a wrap. How do you feel? I feel like this was not as scary. You did create a safe space for me, Mark. Uh, well, I told you I wasn't going to throw you to the wolves, right? Well, I like, expected a little, you know, harder grilling, and I'm very no. grateful that you were. You're not ready for the fierce grilling. No, actually, fierce grilling. Actually, you are. But um, this was not the time or place for that. This is about you, and you know, letting it out there, right? Like letting people know, and when people hear this, they'll be like, "Oh, all right, it seems to make a lot of sense." So. I'm grateful for you, right, and mm -hmm. that you have been able to uh, help me along my personal journey as well, and um, it's been friggin' awesome so far. Yeah, it's been fun. All right, y'all. I'm Mark Fiertz, your co-host, and this is... Christine Chapman. And, and we are... The Zero Hour. Right, right, right. All right, all right. Thank you. Peace. Peace.